This episode has been brought to you by Soul Tribe Publishing House. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Soul Sister Sunday Podcast. This is Kim. And this is Jay, your other host. And we're so excited to be back with yet another episode. Guys, don't forget to listen to our other episodes that are so full of juicy knowledge and juicy information and juicy conversations. Today's episode is going to be something a little bit more serious. Yes, why serious? It's going to talk about the prison pipeline system, which can be a bit dreadful and a little sad in certain situations. So it's more of a serious tone. That is okay. That's why we're here for some things are serious, some things are light. Nonetheless, it's all part of life. Ooh, that rhymed. Uh Oh, we got Dr. Seuss over here. All right, but before we get started, we did pull a card for today's episode. And of course, in our card spreads, we use it as guidance for our episode or a way to get us started. So in other words, as an icebreaker to lead us into a wonderful discussion. So for today's episode, we pulled from the Domige Reese deck. And of course, we've used it previously. But this time, we definitely will be putting up a chair or something so you guys can see it as well. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. We are on Instagram at Soul Sisters Sunday Podcast. And that is sisters with an S is two of us is plural. Soul Sisters Sunday Podcast. Thank you for that grammar lesson. All right. So today's card was don't make assumptions. And of course, in the front, there is this beautiful man that is a part of a bunch of green circles. Oh, no, listeners, we're going to have to need you, your input on this one. But it says, assume nothing. And when you turn it over, it has a little message. And it says, in any kind of relationship, we can make the assumption that others know what we need, what we think, and we don't have to say what we want. We assume they are going to do what we want because they know us so well. If they don't do what we want, we feel hurt and think, how could you do that? You should know. That ties in perfect with today because most of the time with situations that end up in jail or prison we tend to make assumptions of the person who allegedly committed that crime that is so true and most of the time when we think about criminals or felons we're thinking about oh that could never be me or that could never be any of the people in my family but as we will see today it is actually very close to home closer than what you think sometimes and it's definitely a way to keep someone humble like it can happen to you at any time Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Domi Reese. Shout out to Domi Reese. Check out the four agreements. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get started. The prison pipeline system, some people call it schoolhouse to jailhouse. What do you know or what have you learned about the pipeline system? How much time we got, girl? Well, I'll keep it short because I know we don't have that much time and we have many things to talk about today. So I know that the prison pipeline system is the systematic system of oppression for typically black and brown people starting at lower grades, academically speaking. So we're talking about elementary school, we're talking about middle school, we're talking about high school. So these are specific tactics that are put into place to systematically have people be filled into prison to maintain this idea that slavery is no longer around, but technically it is. It's called incarceration. It's called for profit prisons. That's what I know in a nutshell. So it's very similar to what I've learned about it too. It pretty much trains us to get ready for prison. And it happens a lot with public schools, like you said, 
and it has a lot to do with their policies as well as far as like zero tolerance policy or even suspending and expelling kids that's the way of kind of getting them used to not being a part of society yes and that's conditioning people to believe that they themselves are the problem that they're not becoming or assimilating to society therefore the only place that could truly house them is the prison system and that breaks my heart to know because i know that we were part of that system and luckily we decided to take many routes and our ancestors and the people among us in our lives helped us not become part of that statistic but at the same time this is the america that we are in and we need to speak about it more and we need to be boldly explaining this yeah like you said it's something we experienced and we didn't even know that we were experiencing it we thought it was normal yes even like okay think about how they have us on like a certain schedule at school when this bell rings you got to do this when this bell rings you got to do that if you're not in class 5 minutes after a certain bell rings then you're getting in trouble they treat them like that in prison as well they tell them when they get up they tell them when they have free time they tell them when they can do this do that they're on a very strict time frame kind of like that too the relation between the two is scary yes it also makes me think about the conditioning of this since we were young we would be conditioned to listen to authority that authority was always correct that we rather not retaliate or else something big is going to happen that's conditioning and as far as i know the prison system the jail system on its face value it's not supposed to be what it is today if we're talking about reinstitutionalizing someone or allowing someone to get the help that they need so they could become a better member of society because once we have a great society then we're all winning i think prison is allowing that to happen and we took a left turn somewhere in history where we think that having people in jail is better than having them out here asking questions the system doesn't want to help people and then you know there's a lot of money in the jail system too. So why not just lock them up and take all this money versus trying to spend that budget to help them? So it's all about money too. So let's go ahead and talk about our experiences with this prison pipeline system that we keep talking about. What was the first experience that you can look back as an adult and say, "Yep, that was a conditioning mechanism that occurred." It wasn't in elementary school. In elementary school, it, it was kind of free. We were all kids. I was saying high school going through a metal detector every day that's not normal in a high school and I didn't oh, know that girl. yeah I honestly I did not know that until I was talking with other high schoolers and they were like yeah we don't have that problem and I'm like how <laughs> I thought that was a Chicago thing like we're the only ones doing this yeah you know it didn't I never had this conversation with another Chicago person that didn't go to our school about it but I remember going to college and being like Where do I go through the metal detectors through to make sure that we're all good? Because to me it was a yes, I'm becoming part of this system, but I also understand why this system works, which is also ugh too. Okay, yeah, that's another thing going off to college, not having to do half the things we did in high school. That kind of triggered a thing too, like, okay, that wasn't normal, and that probably shouldn't have been normal. <laughs> nobody talked about how not normal it was it was almost as if we were the convicts coming into the school to get educated how dare we 
come into a school and hope that they educate us and prepare us for the future. Who are we? That's true. Can you think of another one that may be an example of that? Oh yeah, it's definitely. So I will take it back to elementary school and middle school. So in elementary school and middle school, I started fighting a lot because of my internal emotional situations that I didn't understand how to handle and didn't have proper guidance for. Instead of And Kim and I have talked about this privately and I have gone to therapy, therapy, shout out therapy. Instead of being guided and helped to overcome emotional situations or understand what was happening to me as a child, they would suspend me and not give me any type of help. Most of the time it was me being physically attacked by other girls who, for whatever reason, wanted to fight me. And of course me having internal situations happening at home and me just being generally angry that I'm having a terrible childhood, I'm gonna fight back. And every time they would see that as a, oh, you're always in trouble, not, oh, something's happening to you because you tend to fall here often. It would be the, let's label her as aggressive. Let's label her as preparing me for jail. And I think about that as an adult and I'm just so happy that life had other plans for me. But at the same time, I know that if someone didn't step into my life and actually try to protect me and help me, I could have easily been one of the people that became part of this system. It's good that you became aware of that because a lot of kids don't, but at the same time, it makes you go, what the fuck? Our public school system fails our children every day, every second. They absolutely do. Another example that I can think of from schoolhouse to jailhouse, This is probably me being greedy, but the food. The food they serve public school children is almost very similar to the food they give inmates. Ooh, girl, say it again. And they don't think about the dietary needs of children. And that's not something that's thought about in jail either. No, it's not. From what I've heard from people around me who have been to jail, they give them mostly snacks which is what a lot of people in low-income areas have easy access to is a bunch of snacks with no nutritional value. They give them breakfast, obviously, but the breakfast is nasty. It's like thick oatmeal or like a, a very hard cereal bar. And then looking back at the school system, most of what they give us, whether it was eggs or French toast or anything like that, is heavy processed food that serves as no real purpose to our bodies. Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the day, we're just the number who is not going to fight or retaliate or expect to wake up and demand something different from their environment. And it's continued to happen. I'm not sure how public schools are net. Well, I take that back. My daughter's in a public school, but the way they're set up, I don't see it as much, but I'm pretty sure that other schools around the world are still following this type of process making it kind of an unfortunate situation. Yeah, I don't even know if it's around the world necessarily. I think it's a particular problem to America because it's the American school system. In a previous episode, we talked about why the American school system became a school system. And this happened when everyone started going to work and they needed somewhere to put their kids. It happened during that time. So to begin a school system on those foundations, that's all we need to know makes me feel like, well, what is the alternative? What can we do to fight back or to take back some sort of agency from the prison pipeline system? And I think it goes back to educating our parents. I know that the world sees parenting as a necessity, but not as a privilege. That's true. It goes back to the parenting. But also at the same time, we can't really control what someone is doing at home or someone is being taught at home. 
But you got to remember too, most of these kids come to the school with these problems, getting arrested and getting suspended, whatever have you, because they got some shit going on at home they can't talk to anyone about. So there has to be resources at school too to kind of help straighten that out. So at home and at school, it's like it's it's two and the same, two and one. I agree. I remember loving going to school because I could get away from my house. And I remember any time that I was suspended, I would hate it. I would hate it because that meant that I had to stay at home. And I didn't want to be at home. Suspending a kid from school doesn't do anything. It To me, it didn't punish me for what I was doing because I was already being punished for things that I had no say in. So... No, it doesn't do anything. Most kids look at it as a break, especially if they're too young to understand why they're being suspended or if there's some other issues going on, like a behavioral problem or like a mental disability, they can't process that. And that doesn't help either. Even when they get older, let's say that unfortunately the child grows up, right? And they get caught up in the prison system. Because of how things were handled when they were a kid and not properly addressed, that child is now sitting in jail, probably don't even know what they're in jail for, or probably think of it as, oh, it's just a break, I'll be out in a month. Like it holds no real, no real value to them. Yeah. Because that tells you that punishment, that type of punishment doesn't work. Just like corporal punishment doesn't work on children, that type of punishment doesn't work on people who want to go against the many laws that we have, such as marijuana law. Like, <laughs> but that's another conversation for another time. Stay tuned, listeners. I hope you guys are enjoying the conversation so far. With all this being said, would you say that you have had any situations or any experiences with prison yourself or like with a close one in prison or anything like that? I am fortunate enough to say that I don't have anyone in my immediate circle that has touched that space, but I have been in situations where I have been a part of someone's experience being that. And anytime that I I see that field of life, my heart hurts because it means well at its face value again. It means well. But the corruption of layers and layers of just bad choices makes the system feel like it's really robbing people of the experience of living. And it doesn't sit well with me. But let me tell you about the experience that I did have that kind of traumatized me in my parenting and stuff like that. So when I was in college, I had given birth to my daughter. I was already back in school. And someone I knew, I was a junior, he was a sophomore. He got arrested over the summer as they were letting out for the summer because Campus security found a good amount, I don't even remember the actual details, but they found a good amount of cocaine in his possession or where he was in dorm in. And the policy states, hey, we find this, we call the popo. And so the popo was called, he got arrested, and it ended up being that he got sentenced that as well. So he had to spend three years in a prison in that state where he wasn't from because he was from Chicago. And the kicker was that during that time, his at that time girlfriend, who was also a college student who was in my grade, in my class grade, was pregnant. So you had to add that to the fuel. That was the reason why he was involved in that type of situation because he wanted to have some sort of security. Now, going back to the city mentality, like quick hustle gives you money. Like you have a kid you want to provide. So I saw it from both directions, like it's illegal, but I understand your position. So he had to do time and it affected 
that girlfriend of mine, it affected their relationship and then moving forward. Luckily he's out now and he's great, but he didn't get a degree from that college. So. Okay. So it's all a setup. It's all a setup. They are. Like <laughs> you said, he was selling drugs that he should not have been selling, but he was doing it because of the situation he was in. A college student usually don't have much money. I'm not sure what his background is, but more than likely he didn't come from rich people. And then having a baby on the way, he wants to do his best and provide for his baby, right? At least that I would was, hope so. I mean, <laughs> it looks like that was the situation. I haven't spoken to him about the situation directly, but from my perspective, that is what I took from the situation. Okay. And that's fair. That's what I would take from it too. Especially if he's known to be a somewhat decent person, that's what anybody would think. So to make matters worse, not only did he get arrested and have to do time missing out on his child's life, missing out on having a great college experience, but now that he's out, hopefully learned his lesson, he has that mark on his back and he can't get a higher education now. You see how they, they do shit to remove us from the institution thinking that they're, I guess, teaching us a lesson and when we get out and try to do better, nobody wants to help. You're just sitting there stuck now. Yeah, you're stuck in this perpetual cycle of, well, in order for me to succeed, I have to do things that are illegal and or can get me back in jail, right? But at the same time, there is no space for there to be a second opportunity in life. Can you get that expunged from your record? Sure. But the amount of money that it costs to do that, no one just has lying around. I was just going to say, it costs money to get things expunged. Unless you have like a special program you can go to or a special help somewhere, but most people don't have that resource. Even like you said, they get out and go back to selling drugs and doing whatever they were doing. It's a vicious circle. It's a very ugly circle mm -hmm. and it's going to keep happening. And then there are certain jobs, of course, that hire felons, fast food, maybe even certain retails and things like that. But most people don't know that. And most people don't want, don't want to work those jobs. Yeah, It's all a setup to keep them down. Yeah. And I also think about this too, which I had to have a, it's so interesting that we're talking about this because I had a conversation with my, one of my, one of my former employers about this as it was happening. And I remember telling her, you can't sit here and judge him because you don't understand how this environment that he grew up in allowed him to make those choices. Because I do remember her being like, well, he did the crime, he should pay for it. Like, yes, he's going to pay for it. But that doesn't negate the fact that his experience in life is completely different than man's here who grew up in a white suburban neighborhood and didn't see this growing up. To be quite honest with you, you were the first person that brought that to my attention too. And I'm not a white suburban woman growing up in... <laughs> <laughs> a nice little neighborhood, none of that. But even as a Black person coming from the same area you come from, I never thought of it that way because of how I was raised within my household. So it was you teaching was, me that. How were you raised in your household, listeners? I am curious too. I was raised that if you're a criminal, like she said, you did the crime, you do the time, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. And that, oh, criminals aren't great people and felons don't have a future. Like that was kind of pushed onto me through my parents. And then on my dad's side of the family, a lot of people have been to prison. And my dad being kind of a snoot, used to kind of like look down at them. So he taught us that. Ooh. With teaching us all of that, <laughs> I did believe in that and kind of let my guard down and got pregnant by a jailbird. So it goes to show too, all that preaching he did went in one ear and out the other. 
<laughs> so. <laughs> okay. So now that you have your experience, how do you see the environment and the choices and how do those relate to each other? It relates a lot. Like I said, my ex, he's in and out of jail a lot for some things that are kind of petty and then for some major things like, ooh, you really tried to do that, huh? But him coming from where he come from, a single parent household, being suspended a lot in school for fighting or being suspended a lot for different things at school, not really having someone to push him to do better, he results to what he knows, which is doing stupid things. And unfortunately, even though it started when he was a teenager, here we are now in our early 30s and he's still doing it. It's something he can't get away from. Even if he tries, it's always an excuse of the money isn't quick enough or this stuff is boring. I, I could be doing more, yada, 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 which is all valid. I get that. So it's all married into one another. And yeah, yeah unfortunately, that's that's the case at this situation. That is definitely a hard one. And listeners out there, I'm sure that this type of conversation does hit home for some of you, if not most of you. Because if you are part of the black and brown community, you know someone of something somewhere. Absolutely. And with most girls, especially black and brown girls, we have to parent with someone who's constantly in and out of jail. And that's not easy either. Trying to raise a child on your own and then this person, they can't really come in and help. They can't really communicate with the child because they tell them when they can and cannot use the phone when they're in jail. It's hard. And having our kids see that, it's a lot of conversations that got to happen. I never thought that I would be the one having these conversations with my daughter. And it's not easy, but I want her to know these things now versus growing up and finding out about them later. I think that right there is how we change the narrative, how we take back that agreement and rewrite it. It's a lot of fucking rewriting to do. I'm tired. <laughs> Don't me get Reese says, do your best. <laughs> and my best may not be the same best I had yesterday, but it's my best. That's exactly right. He would say, do your best. It may look different every day, but you continue doing it. And if it looks different, that's okay too. You're, it's your best for that day. Exactly. Just put your best into it. Um, so just a few things. I know I kind of touched a little bit on trying to parent and communicate with someone who's in jail. Mm -hmm. They also have different things set up now where they can like text you from a tablet and do like virtual jail visits. But I just want to say this, jail gonna find a way to make some fucking money. Yeah, 25 girl. cents per text. And that's from the person who's not an inmate. That's from their end, 25 cents per text, 21 cents per minute on a call. A jail visit at the county jail that I'm speaking of in my mind is seven dollars and fifty cents for a fucking virtual visit jail gonna find a way to hit your pockets and nice. i don't think that's fair either around the world jail systems are completely left and right and up and down that's how polarly differently they are so i do want to shout out to other prisons around the world that are doing things that are beneficial to their community with people that are, are serving time in jail now, I also know that there are places in the world where jails are worse than American jails. We don't want to shut those out. No, they need a reformation just like we do too. <laughs> they need their edges pulled. I can't remember. Is It's a jail or prison over in Germany or is it Poland? One of the European places where they give them counselors and they, they take more, but they're... 
Okay, is it Switzerland? Okay, I, I, I was know. near it. <laughs> I was close. I was over there in Europe somewhere. But <laughs> they take more of a therapeutic route or more of a making themselves aware and kind of help building them up while they're in prison versus just throwing them in a cell and locking the door. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what jail should be and what prison should be. It does not benefit society as a whole for almost half of its population to be incarcerated and to be told when to go to sleep and when not to go to sleep and not make them be an asset to society. Business-wise, America needs to go get an MBA immediately. <laughs> Never gonna happen. <laughs> Only in our dreams. <laughs> but either way, whichever, whether it's Norway, Switzerland, goddamn the hole in the wall in the mountains, like wherever is that, what they're doing is more beneficial than what we're doing. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, let's also remember too that not only is jail accessible and immediate for a lot of people that look like us, it's also immediately accessible for our children as well. Just how I said I was very close to that space in my life when I was younger, I do remember there being girls that would be picked up because they got into the fight with the wrong girl and their mama called the cops and they would pick them up from the school and you would have security that would call the cops on children. Oh, they will. They will. But you know how embarrassing that is for a person? And I think they get this idea that if we embarrass them, they won't do it again. But that's not how that works. Not with everybody. I know when yeah. I get embarrassed, I try to be careful the next time around, but not everybody has that same mindset. Yes, and also what does embarrassment have to do with allowing someone to be in that environment? Because that means that you're taking away the veil of curiosity and you're already inputting them. So the second time, some children will be like, I don't give a effing damn about this place. I've been here, I know the ropes. I know that I could get three meals a day. I have a place to sleep and that may, may not be the most comfortable, but I can adapt. But a lot of inmates have that same mentality too. Ooh. Going back to the friends I have, y'all, I'm not a little hood rat. Don't think like that. But Ooh. I do have friends who've been to jail. And <laughs> from the friends I've been around, they'll say things like, I'm not scared of going back to jail. I've been there before. I'll do it again. It's no big deal to me. And sure enough, about a month or two later, guess where they're at? This mindset gets stuck within them and they can't break it. Yeah, the prison mentality. The right term for it. The prison mentality is real and it's hard to break. Yeah. I also think about the people that are homeless that have to or think that in order for them to be secure with their basic needs being met is for them to go back to jail, for them to go back to prison. Why? Because society has failed them. And most of the time, homeless people are vets. They are, but that goes back to what you said, society has failed them. They don't know that they have the resources. A lot of people who are vets, either they have exhausted their benefits and nobody has tried to help them, or they honestly don't know where to turn. Nobody wants to educate them on what they can and cannot do or what they do have available to them. From what I know, when they go try to seek these benefits, there's a lot of red tape that is put in place so the government doesn't have to pay out as many benefits as it says it has. The system is already systematically dispositioned to not want to help people that are part of society, especially vets. They gave up their life for this country. Only for this country to turn around and shit in their face. Ooh, and say, you owe me. It's all fucked up. It's all a vicious <laughs> cycle. Y'all think I'm exaggerating when I say this. There's no real benefit to it. 
this country doesn't really want to help us like they say they do. I mean, of course, the land of the free, yada, 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 doesn't come easy for half the people that fucking live here, maybe even more than half the people. All right, let's go ahead and bring up a statistic. Uh-oh, let's go ahead and see these large numbers. What's the statistic? As of 2016, so this is a little old, 2.3 million people were incarcerated in the United States at a rate of 698 people per 100,000. And I bet most of those people were black and brown. That's a lot of people to be incarcerated and to be responsible for and to have a number after. That's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. They turn into a number. And of course, America being a big corrupt ass business is looking at them like, okay, we're here going another dollar sign, another dollar sign. It's all about money. Half yep. of them probably, you know what? I keep saying half when I know it's more than half, but I bet majority of them are locked up for petty bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Here's another statistic. As of July, 2021, so this one's more recent, the United States had the highest number of incarcerated individuals worldwide with almost 2.1 million people in prison. The U.S. was followed by China, Brazil, India, and Russian Federation. I laugh because I I find that to be funny. (laughs) So Russian is funny? (laughs) The Russian Federation. (laughs) I'm I'm actually surprised Russia is down that that low in, in the list. I'm kind of not. I'm not surprised by China, but Brazil? Okay, India? Okay, but Russia being that low? Well, maybe Russia doesn't lock people up as fast for little things. Maybe, maybe they have a better legal system. Possibly. All right, I have another statistic because I find these statistics very, very, very interesting. My intellectual self needs numbers. (laughs) Incarceration rate for black versus white Americans. Blacks, 2,306 versus 450 per 100,000 plus people. I believe that, that makes sense. That this proportion of blacks to whites being incarcerated is significant. Well, we all know the black man is looked at as the monster. So when he comes to the system, he's viewed as that and treated as that versus the white man who probably has a lawyer, has the money, has a good enough story to back it up and knows his laws. Of course he's gonna get away with it. Oh, I'm also thinking about the hillbillies too. I'm thinking about uneducated type of white people and how they are treated in the system. Because as much as we want to say the pipeline system only affects black and brown young kids to adults, I also believe that whites who are in lower classes, socially speaking, get affected by this. Oh, of course, the low income white people. Even though, okay, this is just me thinking, I've always felt a poor white man still gets better treated than a poor black man. So he, yeah, he's getting treated as far as going to jail or being subject to prison time. He's still getting that, but I bet you the sentence still isn't as harsh as a black man in his position. But yes, all that to say the poor white folk get caught up in this mess too. Yes. And I think that's probably the 450 out of the 100,000. <laughs> Y'all took it in this shit. <laughs> So as far as like black and white women in jail, in 2019, the imprisonment rate for African-American women was over 1.7 times the rate of imprisonment of white women. So for every 100,000 black women, 83 are in prison versus out of 100,000 white women, only 48 are in prison. So it's almost double. Dude, that is huge, but it goes back to the idea too, being a black woman in America is not easy. 
white women still get away with a lot of shit because of who they are. My heart goes out to people who are in the system. Let's also talk about and take have some space to talk about how there are people who belong in prison for the rest of their lives. I'm not murderers. Yes, I'm not here to reform the prison system so much as I wish that there was a way to reduce the population in prison. Okay, yes, I can agree with that because some crimes are just horrific. So yeah, maybe you should be in there. But for the others, there's got to be another way. Yes, there has to be a more beneficial way that benefit all of us. The government likes to think ahead of itself and think that it's a supreme power, but how can we be a supreme power and how could we want a tomorrow when we're not thinking about how we treat our people and the people that are supposed to be in love with the country that they're in? Because isn't that how we end up in armed forces? Again, they don't care. <laughs> like regardless of how we flip it, how we spank it, how we wet it, the government don't care. So do you think that slavery never went away? Of course it never went away. It just got a new title. And of course, like a few, <laughs> a few changes, like now we get paid for it. Or now if you do this, you get bad things like prison, like it's been flipped around a little bit, but slavery never went away. They don't get paid. I think the only difference is that they don't get physically abused by the federal system, even though individually speaking, I'm sure that their stories but they don't get paid enough. Right? Four cents to make a license plate, that is that is not reasonable wage for someone giving their whole entire being to not be able to have agency or willpower. It's not, but you know how people think money solves everything? So they probably figure give them four or five cents to put a stamp on something. As long as they're paying them and then seeing the situation that they're in, they can't go outside or have no type of freedom. They're gonna take this five cents and be happy. It's all manipulation. It's all like a power control type of thing. Like it's terrible. Uh, let's talk about China, Brazil, and India. Huh. All of these places have really big populations. And for some reason, I, they all tend to believe that incarcerating them is going to suppress criminal activity from happening. I think it goes back to their history too. Like we know not much, I don't know much, but we know a little history about China, a little history about Brazil, then Brazil being a place of a lot of black and brown people. India, India has a kind of rough history too. So I think it goes back to their history and they're still holding on to that. Wow, that might be true. And then the mentality that came with power and politics, yikes. Even though we do talk about something so heavy, such as a prison pipeline system, as people and part of society, it is our responsibility to know and understand what's happening and the systems and structures that are around us and understand how they work so we know and can make calculated decisions about our life and how to protect ourselves or how to move around in that space because it's not going away. Us talking about it, it's not going to be the magical solution of it going away. No, it's not. If that was the case, I would have went away a long time ago. We're not the first ones to have this type of conversation. It's going to take a lot of work. <laughs> but the more we have conversations around this uncomfortable topic, the easier it is for us to understand that we can be an ally to people in that space. Yes, I understand you do the crime, you pay the, you pay the fee, you pay for it. I get that mentality and I'm all for that. But at the same time, teaching people about discernment and teaching people about a different way of handling life is much more important than showing someone 
oh, you did that mistake. I'm going to shove it in your face for the rest of your life, in my non-humble opinion. And I'm talking about specific crimes. I'm not talking about bodily harming crimes. I think there are different levels to the criminal justice system. And I'm only specifically talking about crimes that are not proportionately weighed across all races. Okay, so you're talking about, like you said, the petty thing. Yes. Bodily harm and murder and I'm not even going to get into all that. That's a whole different playing field. Yes, that is. And we're not about to get into that today. No, that's too much. That's too much. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> if you guys want a part two, let us know. <laughs> Talk about how we want to be aware of it. Can we be supported from someone? Support only goes so far, though. Like I said, with my situation, okay, maybe one or two calls a month because that shit adds up on my end and it can't fit into my budget or maybe a few of these 25 cent text messages because I know you need someone to talk to but even with that they got to be understanding of the situation too I'm sorry that you're in there I'm sorry that you're going through this rough time but I gotta live my life too I got shit I gotta do so support can only go so far we still have to set boundaries with these inmates that we have connections with so support but accountability is very is what I'm hearing. Okay, yes, support, but accountability. And even with some inmates who tried to stay positive and like, oh, I'm getting out next week or, well, my lawyer will get me out in two months. Eh, it depends on what you did, sweetie. I understand you're trying to be positive, but at the same time, we gotta be a little realistic. <laughs> oh, talk about support with accountability again. Yes, we gotta be supportive in terms of, I see that you're experiencing this hardship that you placed upon yourself with the choices that you made. And it, I can still feel sympathetic and empathetic towards you. But at the same time, accountability is a long thing to be a part of too. You did it. So be accountable. And if that means take the time, well then take the time and focus on something else. I'm reading this book. I'm making myself better while I'm in here. And I do give them books to read. I don't know what type of books, but I know they have like a library and give them things to read and Sometimes they'll give them different activities to do, but all that, like you said, is about being accountable. And like the old saying goes, poor planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. Don't expect me to rearrange my whole fucking life because of where you're sitting at. It don't always work like that. What do you think about those shows such as Scary Straight or those prison shows that- They're stupid. They're stupid. They are stupid. I understand that the point of the show is to possibly maybe help someone out there probably show them what it's like on the inside so they can stay away from it. But with most times of those shows, it doesn't work. Like that show Scare Straight where they take like the problematic teenagers and take them to jail for a day and inmates scream in their face and all that stuff. Most of the time, those teenagers go back home for like a week or two, do what they're supposed to do and go back to their old fucking ways. It doesn't help all the time. It's a waste of fucking money kind of abusive you got you're gonna stand there and let these inmates they don't touch them but scream and these kids faces ill <laughs> that's ill i agree i don't like that idea about handling it one dimensional in this episode we talked about how yes we can help the child but if that child is going back to an abusive household or an abusive environment or an environment that is less deemed to raise a positive member of society, then we're not helping that child one bit. We are just putting a bandaid on it and saying, 
you'll be all right even though they have a whole flesh ass wound that's open yeah see and then like you said it, it goes back to being at home most of those kids are like that because of the household they're in sitting into this program and sending them back to that household it, it's like drinking a, a diet coke and then eating a big ass meal behind it like it serves no purpose it cancels it out <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying i can have my big ass coke with the with the salad <laughs> it, it cancels it out it don't work like that i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> okay so then the scared straight type of uh all in your face this is jail rue rock type of shows don't get you but what about oz and the orange is new black i've never watched those shows because they never really held my interest but from what I've heard other people say who have actually been to jail or know more about it, they tell me those shows are bullshit. They almost like glorify them, make them look like they're fun or it's a big old lesbian party or stuff like that. And that's not the case. I think that part glorification of jail and prison also goes into the prison pipeline system. Yes, we talked about how this is most of the time affecting black and brown people. But yet at the same time, these shows are directly for the audience of what color? The white folk. So the prison pipeline system seems to be affecting everybody, all 360 of us. I just don't like those shows that make entertainment because there's nothing entertainment about sitting in a pot all day. But that's my opinion. Your opinion and we'll buy it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. With that being said, listeners, we have reached the end of our show for today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys learned something new. If you guys have any comments, any topics around the prison pipeline system that you guys want to discuss with us, by all means, let us know. Slide into our DMs, slide into our comments. Let us know what your experience has been. Yes, always open to feedback or open to any stories. The more you know, the better. Before we close out, I would like to do a quick disclaimer. With the social media streets, there are a lot of hackers out there who like to pose as regular Instagram pages. Well, because of that, trying to be open and friendly, mostly on my end, adding everybody, there have been a lot of issues <laughs> with hackers and scammers in our inbox. So moving forward, we're going to be more cautious with who we add back as friends, but that's where you come in, listeners. If you would like us to add you back after you sent us a request, one, make sure your page is public. And then two, show us some love, like a comment, comment on something. Uh, what else do they do on Instagram? Like our reel, like show us some type of interaction and we'll be more open to following you back. Yeah, slide into our stories. Leave us a comment on our stories or something. Let us know that you're real. Let us know that the love is real and we would be more than happy to follow you guys back. Our intention is to be open and transparent with you guys as much as we can be with discernment, as Don Miguel Reese has advised <laughs> us to do. That's true. So yeah, just show us your real people. We'll be more than happy to add you back. We really appreciate the support. Thank you so much for listening. Move in love and enjoy the rest of your day. This episode is being brought to you by Soul Tribe Publishing House.